Hello and welcome to another episode of the Evan Eichen Show. And today it's a first, as my guest today becomes the first repeat guest in show history, which means that Cody Clark, congratulations, you are now the most featured guest in show history. How does that make you feel? (laughs) It makes me feel good. Uh, Sure, I'll take it. Hey, it means I must have done okay the first time if you have me on a second time. So we'll uh, we'll take that. So a lot has happened since the last time we had you on in early July. So here's a wrap-up of some of the things that have happened since the last time we had you. Uh, Russell Westbrook got traded to the Houston Rockets. Chris Paul got traded to Oklahoma City. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are now Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, he went to L.A., but not the Lakers like everyone thought he did. And the number four pick in the 2017 draft, Josh Jackson, got traded for a bag of peanuts to the Memphis Grizzlies. And Grayson Allen got kicked out of a summer league game, which I didn't know you could actually do. And that is just scratching the surface of the crazy stuff that happened in the NBA from July until today. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about football because Cody... On August 1st, preseason football is back. Training Already? camps are under training camps are underway. It's that time of the year and people are uh, people are starving for football content. This is one of my favorite this is one of my favorite periods of time in the year when it comes to social media because the NBA is is pretty much done and gone. You you have the dog days of summer in Major League Baseball, but obviously baseball not as big as the NFL and the NBA. And so this is this is the time when training camps are starting up. This is the time when everyone is getting hungry for uh, college football, for the National Football League. And this is the period of time on social media where we see training camp highlights and people going berserk over catches and blocks and throws and different things in preseason training camp, often with very little defense being played against them. So... This is the best time of the year for people overreacting about their team and for people getting excited about football. Yeah, it is that time of the year where when people saw those Odell Beckham catches, they're like, shut it down, the Browns are going to win the AFC North, which I think we should pump the brakes on that a little bit. But before we get into that, let's talk about some of the rapid-fire storyline questions going into 2018 training camp. And we'll start with the... Awkward, tense contract situation in Dallas because they have three key offensive players, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott, that are all due for extensions right around the same time. And Cowboys fans want them to pay all three, but that's just not practical. Uh, Cody, what, what is your read on the situation as Ezekiel uh, Elliott is officially a non-report to training camp as he hopes for his contract extension? I think that Dallas situation is fascinating because you've got three guys who clearly deserve to get paid when you look at Dak Prescott and what he's done as I believe a fourth round pick to be able to lead the Dallas Cowboys the way he has to start his career he's overperformed his rookie deal you look at Amari Cooper and the impact that he had when Dallas traded for him brought him over from Oakland and he was a fantastic player for the Raiders but then you bring him to Dallas and he seemingly took that offense to another level and he is finishing his rookie deal, I believe. 
And then Ezekiel Elliott, you have running back who has led the league in rushing two out of his three years. Zeke Elliott still has two years left on his deal, and he wants a new contract. And so it's a really interesting dynamic. And Zach, uh, Dak Prescott and Mari Cooper have both come out and said, you know, hey, you know, we want to get deals done, but, you know, we, we're, we're confident those are going to get done. Zeke Elliott is the one holding out. And Zeke Elliott is the one with two years left on his deal. So he, he perhaps is in the what you would what you would think would be the the least amount of, of bargaining position or negotiating power you would think Elliot has because he has two years left on his deal, but he's decided, hey, I'm not gonna show up. And you mentioned it. You can't pay all I don't know if you can pay all three market value. You know, you you you've got You've got that, and and a lot of people aren't necessarily a fan of paying Dak Prescott a, a huge number. Uh, so it's it's a really interesting dynamic because we see we see in this league if you've got a quarterback making thirty million dollars, it's it can be very difficult to then put together a quality team around him. You look at a lot of these teams in the NFL, a lot of these teams in even the NBA as well with some of these rookie deals, you're able to put guys around you you look at jared goff you look at patrick mahomes patrick mahomes is a rookie quarterback and he has one of the best wide receivers in the game one of the best offensive lines in the game one of the best tight ends in the game you start looking around and and there's a reason that you can put all of these different weapons around a guy there's a reason that aaron Rodgers is the focal point of the offense in green bay and there's not as many weapons around him because he's making 30 million dollars and so it's just an interesting dynamic because they all three want to get paid. You could argue all three should get paid. But then again, I would say that all three can't get paid by the Dallas Cowboys. They, they can't. They can't because they also have some important defensive players that might need uh, Jalen Smith, their linebacker. He he might want an extension. What about Awuzie, the corner that they drafted last year? It's the... Taco Charlton, the first-round pick, if he pops, he might want something. I mean, you can build a team around if your quarterback is making $34 million, but you need, like, almost lottery-esque draft luck where you find, like, an all-pro wide receiver in the fifth round. And it, it can happen. It has happened. But those are so astronomically rare that the idea of putting the elite team around the superstar quarterback hasn't worked out for reasons like you've mentioned. But if two out of the, uh, it, it's fair to say two out of the three are going to get paid, I probably not all three. So who do you think is the odd man out in this situation? Because there's no way it's Prescott. No chance it's Prescott. I I don't I don't think I don't think any of them are going to be the odd man out. I think they're all going to get paid, and I think it's going to be. I think the one thing working in the favor of Elliot, Jerry Jones, and Jones is going to get very impatient as he looks at his team. And I mean, you could, you know, if they're able to bring all three of those guys back, and, and their offensive line is back to full strength, and they have a healthy roster, this is a team that could make a run at a Super Bowl. And I think Jerry Jones knows that. And I think that's going to work in the favor of Zeke Elliott is Jones is going to want to get a deal done and he's going to pay him so that he shows up, that he's there for week one, that he's playing football for the Dallas Cowboys 
so that they can make a run at a Super Bowl. So I think that is working in Ezekiel Elliott's favor. I think Ezekiel Elliott has the most trade value if you were trying to move one of them or move off of one of them. So it's just an interesting dynamic because I think Zeke is going to get paid because Jerry Jones wants to keep this core together. And we see how important Ezekiel Elliott is to Dak Prescott's success as well. But paying all three of those guys is going to have repercussions, as you mentioned, when it comes time to pay different guys that they've drafted and young players that they've drafted and that they've done well with that they like. You're going to struggle to keep some of those guys if you pay all three of those players. I think all three of them are going to get paid. In particular, Ezekiel Elliott, Jerry Jones is going to get uh, a little bit nervous and I think pull the trigger on a deal. And the rest of the running backs on that roster have a combined six carries for 16 yards, and it's from one guy named Darius Jackson, who had six carries for 16 yards for the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers in 2016 and 2017. Yeah, there's no denying Ezekiel Elliott's importance to that offense, and everybody knows it, and Jones knows it, and and Jason Garrett knows everybody knows that he's extremely valuable to that offense. It just becomes a matter of can we pay these guys market value and still be able to keep some other players that are going to come up. I don't know how they're going to be able to do it, but I do think all three of them end up getting paid. And we didn't even mention uh, Byron Jones, the Pro Bowl defensive back, who's playing on his fifth-year option right now. Yeah, you're going to have to sign. You mentioned Smith, Awuzie, Byron Jones. you got a lot of these guys coming up that are going to have to get paid, and it's going to be very interesting to watch in Dallas. All right, we'll move on to another question. Uh, which Josh do you think has the better second year, Allen or Rosen? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I want to say I want to say Allen, just because, and I'll and I'll and I'll say Josh Allen because, for the simple fact that he's been in the system, Rosen had a tough offseason going and joining a new team. He's in Miami now, um, and it's one of those things where he's having to switch systems and get used to that. So I'll say Josh Allen just for the simple fact of some continuity, being able to stay in that Buffalo offense. I think Josh Allen showed a lot of bright spots last year, especially running the football, things he can do outside the pocket. Uh, I think Josh Rosen is going to have a good career. I think that he is going to be a good player. He's going to struggle, I think, in Miami just because the cupboard is so bare there uh, with the Dolphins. But that's a good question. I'm going to say Josh Allen over Josh Rosen, but I do think Rosen will end up being a good pro. I'm going to I'm going to take uh, Josh I'm going to take Josh Allen too because as a rookie he showed a lot of flashes and if and there were times during that year where statistically speaking that Buffalo Bills offense was the worst offense ever. Full stop. There were times where Todd Gurley by himself had more points than the entire Buffalo Bills team. And he somehow dragged that team to 6-10. and ten. That is impressive. That is impressive. And I-, I feel bad for Josh Rosen because they traded up to kick him in the top 10 and then after one year be like, nah, sorry, Cape, we're going to go with Kyler Murray and traded him to Miami for, I'm being conservative here, 35, 40 cents on the dollar. 
but Josh Allen showed a lot of promise. He threw for over 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks, completed 53% of his passes. But when you take, but when you add into the context of how little the guy had to work with, plus the dude can run. He's 6'5", 240, and most guys that size couldn't win a 40-yard dash against a Roomba. But this dude, this dude can move. Buffalo might finish second in the AFC East, which, looking at the whole division, isn't saying a whole lot. But uh, I, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Josh Rosen, though. But I, I hope that guy has a successful year. Yeah, I think I, I think he's ultimately going to be good. I just, you know, he, he's he can now be in a system, and, and it's going to help him to be able to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, a, a quarterback who's been in the league a long time who has been a, a very good performer in the NFL for quite a while. Rosen last year had 2,200 yards, similar stats to uh, Josh Allen, uh, 2,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But, yeah, I, I, I think Rosen's ultimately going to be okay. I think he just needs some consistency, and he's got a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick that he can learn from, so I think that's going to help him. But, yeah, I'm going to take Josh Allen because of the, uh, the dual-threat nature of Allen and just being able to grow in that system for a second year. All right. Question three, what team in your mind has the biggest season from hell potential where everything goes off the rails and by mid-December they're starting like their fourth-string practice squad quarterback? What team has season from hell potential for you? Oh, boy. Okay, so I think, I, I think there's a couple of candidates. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put the Cardinals in there because they're gonna have some growing pains with Kyler Murray, with Cliff Kingsbury. So I'm not gonna put Arizona in that list. I'm gonna put the New York Giants there, and I've got a second team there, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, really? And I and I think there's no denying Cleveland's talent. They have Odell Beckham. They have Jarvis Landry. They have a three-headed monster in the backfield. They have Baker Mayfield, who is going to get some MVP talk if Cleveland is even remotely over 500. Miles Garrett. But, yeah, with Miles Garrett, exactly. The talent there in Cleveland, it's it's inarguable. But how are they going to deal with you know when the, when's the first time they you know they lose two games in a row? How do they respond from that? Jarvis Landry is a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. is also a number one wide receiver in the NFL. I don't know if Odell Beckham is going to enjoy, and those two guys are friends, by the way. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to like the fact that Jarvis Landry can hold his own against anyone in the league, and Jarvis Landry is going to catch a lot of passes. And I don't know if OBJ... You know, with the, the, the GQ article that came out and wanting to catch Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and all these guys, OBJ is a great talent. I think he could make that happen. I don't know if he can make that happen playing opposite of another number one wide receiver in Jarvis Landry. I don't know how OBJ is going to handle it. If he comes out and, you know, OBJ gets targeted eight times in a game and Jarvis Landry gets targeted 14 times in a game, and let's say Landry has a couple of weeks where he's the leading wide receiver, we're going to have to see how OBJ is going to handle that because I could see some real fission there between those two guys. And with, the, with, the, with that personality, with the rookie head coach, with a second-year quarterback, I, I do like Baker Mayfield, 
but I can see there being some infighting in Cleveland that would cause that cause that team to go off the rails. But uh, I'm going to put them and the New York Giants as my as my teams to watch for for things could go sideways in a hurry. Obviously, Tampa Bay is probably not going to be very good. Arizona's probably not going to be very good. Oakland's not going to be very good. Jackson, you know, the Jets, they're going to maybe take a step, but they're probably not going to be great. So, so those are kind of the teams that, you know, they're probably prepared to have a, a down year. But I'm going to put Cleveland and New York on the things could go south in a hurry list. Oh, well, I like, I like all the points for Cleveland. Plus, the main reason or the one that I've heard the most of why they hired Freddie Kitchens is because he gets along with the quarterback. Well, Tampa Bay tried the exact same thing because Dirk Carter got along with Jameis Winston. That was a disaster. So I think Oakland has the most season from hell potential. When you look at around all the context of a, it's their last season in California before they go to Vegas. B year one with John Gruden was objectively a disaster. And when you look at all of the combustible personalities, you have Antonio Brown, Vontez Perfect, and Richie Incognito in the same locker room. And if Oakland starts the season like last year, oh, it is not going to be fun for year two of the John Gruden era. No, that's a fair point. Oakland could very well be on that list. I guess I'm just not expecting – I guess I'm operating on the premise that I don't think Oakland is going to be very good anyway. And I do think there's some talent and some promise in Cleveland after going 7-8-1. and one, I could see them going 9-7. and seven. I just think there's some of those similar ingredients in Cleveland to where it could go sideways. And expectations are that it's going to at least be a, an 8- or 9-win team. I don't see that being the case in Oakland. So that's why you know I just think they're going to be an abject disaster from the get-go anyway. So that's why I put kind of Cleveland there. Plus, there's, Oakland has the added context of it's their last year, and if things go south, Oakland be like, cool, if you guys have fun in Vegas, good riddance. Like, right. th- that could happen. I don't think it will. I mean, right. it, it could. So uh, let's move on to uh, your team, the Indianapolis Colts, because I am going to gush for about five minutes on Chris Ballard. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. If – in mid-October of last year, think of where the Indianapolis Colts were in mid-October of last year. They were 1-5. Josh McDaniels was going to be the head coach until he wasn't. So then they hired Frank Reich, who was a last-minute replacement. They go 1-5. They had all the questions about, is Andrew Luck healthy? And if he is healthy, how good is he? And they turned around, went 10-6, and won a playoff game, and then ran into the buzzsaw that is Kansas City. But Chris Ballard... Can we give this guy executive of the year, like, tomorrow? Is the first two draft picks he ever made, Darius Leonard and, wait, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard became first-team All-Pros. Leonard led the entire league in tackles and still somehow didn't go to the Pro Bowl, which was insane. And And plus, they spent free agency picking up reclamation projects like Marcus Hunt, and Eric Ebron, and Eric Ebron had a career renaissance, and then they're going to try and have Eric Ebron 2.0 with Justin Houston. Cody Clark, am I crazy thinking that the Indianapolis Colts are going to go 13-3 and and run away with the AFC South? Uh, no, you know, I don't think you're crazy in thinking that. I, I think I was looking at the uh, I was looking at Super Bowl odds, and the Colts were 12-1, to so, you know, cl- clearly Vegas 
thinks that this is going to be a good team. And after the performance they had last year, getting off to a rough start, I, I think that's where it's going to change this year. I don't think they're going to get off to that tough of a start. Uh, Luck is healthy and, or seems to be healthy. He's got a little bit of a calf issue, but I, I think that's going to be fine when the season starts. So, no, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they can run away with the AFC South. And, yeah, to your point, Chris Ballard, I mean, the job that he did, Quentin Nelson, if Quentin Nelson stays healthy, he's, he's, he, could be a, he could be a Hall of Fame guard in the NFL. Darius Leonard was out of South Carolina State. I mean, this guy's from, from middle of nowhere, South Carolina, and, they, and the Colts, you know, found him, liked him, drafted him, and he turned in one of the greatest rookie years from linebacker that we've ever seen in the NFL. I, I think, you know, this team being able to bring in a guy like Devin Funches, a, a big, tall, wide receiver who's going to help in the red zone, drafting Paris Campbell out of Ohio State, a very high culture, very high on him. And, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's performed well to start the year uh, in camp, just getting underway. So the Colts like him. You still have Eric Ebron. You have Jack Doyle who comes back healthy. Uh, as you said, you added, you were able to add Justin Houston. They've just quietly put together a roster that is very solid. They complement each other well. I think an area that they could add is an, another, another legitimate wide receiver with T.Y. Hilton to take some pressure off of Hilton. I think Funches is going to help doing that. And with Ebron and Jack Doyle, you kind of have that built in in the tight end position. But, I mean, this team is extremely solid. They have their running back in Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines out of the backfield. They've just put together a very solid roster that complements each other well. The defense is improved. And, and you know, there's, I think there's high expectations after the, the season, after ending the year the way the Colts did last year. There's definitely big expectations for Frank Reich and company in year two of his tenure because of the way they were able to come on so strong at the end of the year. At the end of October 14th of last year, they lost 30, 42 to 34 to the New York jets and were one in five. And then oh, they, I remember. Oh, I remember. And when you take into the context of everything that happened in the off season where they had their head coach and then they didn't, and then they had to scramble to hire, uh, Frank Reich, and then there are question marks about Andrew Luck, and Jacoby Brissett is one of, if not the best backup quarterbacks in the league right now. I don't know why teams aren't, you know, blowing up Chris Ballard's phone trying to trade for the guy. Well, they very well they very well could be, and Chris Ballard saying not a chance if Andrew Luck goes down, you know, heaven forbid, then Brissett can step in. But you're exactly right. Brissett is a great backup quarterback, and I think Ballard realizes that. And he's not going. He's not going anywhere. When you look at the rest of that division, there's too much uncertainty in Jacksonville, considering all the Leonard Fournette, Jalen Ramsey stuff. And if Nick Foles gets hurt, the only the two quarterbacks on your roster are Alex McGow, who went who came out of Florida International, spent last year in the Seahawks practice squad, and Gardner Minshew, who has a Hall of Fame mustache and played at Washington State, but I don't know how well he's going to work in the NFL. Uh, the Houston Texans woke up one day, fired their GM, and then replaced him with nobody. And Tennessee, n- nobody knows what's going on in Tennessee. 
No. Yeah, from it's an interesting division because I do like Houston, and I think that's the Houston and the Colts are the top two teams in that AFC South. I don't, you know, Jacksonville, I don't see being competitive. As you mentioned, Tennessee, I think there's still com- some concerns from the Titans. But even then, I mean, you know, they were, you know, came down to the last game and they were, they had a chance to play their way into the playoffs. So I think it's going to be the Texans and the Colts battling it out. I can see Tennessee being there, but it's going to be very interesting to watch in Houston because, as you mentioned, not having a general manager. And they're facing Jadeveon Clowney going into a season that, uh, you know, he'll make, I think, 15 or 16 if he signs the franchise tag. But he wants a new deal. So it's interesting times in Houston as well. It's going to be interesting to to monitor how they do. But the Colts and the Texans are definitely the class of the AFC South, uh, at least as it, you know, as it looks like uh, here in the preseason. So let's expand a little bit on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, because the Cleveland, like the joke for Cleveland was forever and forever is if you go six and 10, they'll build a statue. But now the, they, they got out of Beckham for, I still don't know why the giants traded him. Uh, they, uh, after year one, it appears that they've hit on Baker Mayfield. And if this team even remotely gets their act together, they might compete in the AFC North. I mean, you got, you still got to contend with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati that has dark horse season from hell potential. And I have some thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens, but we'll get to them later. Uh, is it wrong to think that the Cleveland Browns could go 10 and six, 11 and five? Uh, I don't think it's wrong. I, I have them at nine. I think I have them at nine and seven. The thing, the thing for me is it, it's just such a young team and they did do a lot of their damage last year, late in the year, against teams that were sub-500. Now, they have the talent to compete for that division title. But I don't know if they necessarily have enough experience to do that. I think Pittsburgh is going to bounce back and be okay. I think Baltimore is going to be fine. You can't ever count them out, especially with the defense that they have. I just think the, the competition for Cleveland is is pretty stiff in that AFC North with more veteran-laden teams with with better overall rosters from a cohesion standpoint, from an experience standpoint. I like Cleveland. I like the pieces that they have. I think they've hit on a ton of these recent draft picks, and they've molded their roster into a very formidable one and one that can compete in the AFC North. I just don't know how they're able to handle some of these situations, you know, going on the road, you know, after a two game losing streak, you know, coming back home, you know, you've won two games in a row and you've got to, you know, play a big game against Pittsburgh or things like that. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond in those situations, because from a talent perspective, I I like what they've got going, but you still have the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers in that division. So I'm not ready to give Cleveland the AFC North crown. I still think that's Baltimore and Pittsburgh battling it out. But I think, you know, you if you tell me at, if at the end of the year Cleveland wins 10 games, I'm not going to be surprised by that. But I think they have pretty stiff competition in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Here are the first four games of their season. Home against Tennessee, at the Jets in primetime, 
home against the LA Rams in prime time, and then at Baltimore. So those are, you can make the argument that the Jets and Titans were, aren't all that good, but there's, there's some two and two potential after those first, after those first uh, four games. But I am here for Jared Goff versus uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Put that in my veins, please, please, please. Those are those are those are going to be four very telling games because they get Tennessee at home. You've you've got to beat Tennessee at home to start the year. At New York, at the Jets is going to be a much more difficult game. You've got Le'Veon Bell in New York, Sam Darnold in his second year. That's going to be an interesting prime time game on the Monday night. And then, as you mentioned, the Rams come to town. You probably chalk that up as a loss. And then at Baltimore, that fourth game of the season, that's a huge game early on in the year because you could be sub 500 going into that game one and two uh you could be two and one you know there's there's very that's a big game come uh i think it's september 29th that's sunday week four that is a big game for the browns on the schedule in baltimore Uh, speaking of baltimore i have some thoughts on them and i think that both if there was a team in the afc north that's going to regress it's probably going to be them for a couple of reasons uh, they lost a lot of important pieces on that defense. They lost Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle, Zadarius Smith. Uh, and then on offense, uh, the Joe Flacco is now firmly the Lamar Jackson era. But I'm not 100% sold on Lamar Jackson. I know that they're going to run like a 1970s Oklahoma offense where, he'll, where they're only going to throw the ball if they absolutely have to. But getting Mark Ingram is a win-now decision. Getting Earl Thomas is a win-now decision, and I don't think this is a team that's built to win now, considering that Lamar Jackson threw for 200 yards in a game one time as a rookie, and he had that dreadful outing against the Chargers in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to look at, it, and you make a lot of very good points. Um I do like Lamar Jackson. I do think he's limited, but I do like the things that he can do. It is going to be interesting to watch uh, how he's able to react to teams making adjustments against him here in his second season. It's good. I think the AFC North is a fascinating slugfest of a division because I do think Baltimore can win nine or ten games. I think that's where Pittsburgh will be, and I think that's where Cleveland will be. So, you know, people have their doubts about Lamar Jackson. I do think he's limited throwing the football, but he's a unique weapon being able to use his legs. And I think that's going to continue to be an advantage for that team. Uh, they were six and two at home last year. If they can continue to do that, I can see themselves, I can see them putting themselves right in that 10 win position in a spot to win the division. But you mentioned that they go, are going to have to have different pieces step up especially defensively, because you don't have as many of those staple, traditional Baltimore Ravens uh, defensive players there as you have in the past. Is there a division that isn't getting talked about a whole lot that you look over and you're like, oh, that could be an interesting four-team race? Mm, That's also a good question. I think from a four-team race perspective, I always think it's pretty much – the NFC North with Chicago, Minnesota, and Green Bay. Um, I do think the NFC West is right there because you have the Rams. uh, The Seahawks with Russell Wilson are always going to be good. And the 49ers had a rash of injuries last year. 
They were four and twelve. A lot of people are high on San Francisco to have a bounce back season and get up to nine, ten, uh, nine, ten wins on the year. So I can see the NFC West being uh, very interesting, and I think Arizona is going to be interesting with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's going to be an interesting team and a fun team to watch. So NFC West and NFC North for me, just because I do think you know you always have Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago battling it out. But in the AFC, I mean, maybe the South, if Tennessee can stay in it. But, I mean, I think Kansas City and L.A. are the class of the AFC West. Denver and Oakland aren't going to compete. So, you know, from a division perspective, I'd, I'd probably say the NFC West or the NFC North. And my second pick there, uh, um, you know, one of those two teams and then maybe – Maybe the AFC North with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, but I think it's two NFC divisions there. Uh, I, I feel like that would be my picks too. Uh, you could maybe make a case for the NFC South for three out of the four teams. Uh, I, I just don't see how this Jameis Winston thing ends ends well in Tampa Bay because this is probably his last. Well, I wouldn't say his last chance because he's the number one overall pick, and if no, things go you- south, go ahead. No, you make a good point. This very well could be. I mean, this is this is put up or shut up time for Jameis Winston. He's got you know brought, they brought in Bruce Arians, who's you know a quarterback whisperer. This is this could be it for Jameis if things don't pan out well this year. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for him to continue to I think hang on in the National Football League. That's and, a great point. And the big question while we were in college together. Uh, once upon a time, was going into the NFL draft. It was, would you rather have Winston or Mariota? And we're five years in, and the answer appears to be neither. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think I would probably rather take Mariota of those two just because I think he's had a little bit more success. But the talent level is there for Jameis Winston. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we've seen it. It's just, you know, the roster's not very good. You know, he struggles with decision-making. Uh, you know, he's had off the field issues. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch because I think he's got the right coach to pull the maximum out of him, but it may be too late for Jameis Winston. Plus, uh, Mariota did the legendarily badass thing of throwing a touchdown pass to himself in a playoff game. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that's tough top. All right. So bold predictions. Uh, what, what are some of your, what are some of your bold, uh, uh, in-season predictions for the 100th NFL season, which has a cool logo, I, I might add. I didn't see it. Where? When did they put the new logo out? Uh, how did I miss? How did I miss that? The NFL 100. It's on the it's on the NFL.com website. Oh, I must have missed that. I'm gonna have to go check that out. Bold predictions. Let's see here. Um. Oh boy, this is tough. Actually, okay, so I I think that, and I, you know, we'll see how bold these are. I, I just, not really sure. I think Daniel Jones starts by week six. Okay, make uh, the case. In New, in New York, I, I think that they will be ready to, you know, Eli Manning at this point of his career is not going to be, you know, is just not at a level where the, the Giants can compete. And the fact that you drafted Jones at six, you've got to let him play at some point. I think by the bye week, which I forget if their bye week is is 
forget what their bye week is, but I think Daniel Jones is definitely starting by the bye week, and I'll say that he's starting by week six in the NFL. Um, let's see here. What else we? What what, what else can be bold? Well, um, the Daniel Jones is gonna have. It's gonna be a lot more positive than the last time they tried to replace. If they don't, if they replace Eli Manning, you're not gonna have the. Shame on you, Giants! How dare you treat Eli Manning this way? You know, like that when that happened, when they benched it for Geno Smith, and then ownership ownership panicked, and it's like, please, Eli, be our quarterback for two more years. We're sorry we made you mad. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So I think Jones starts by week six. Um, I'm gonna let let's go out on let's let's make it pretty bold and say Cleveland wins eleven games. Okay. But and doesn't which win the case division. then, but doesn't win the division, Baker Mayfield is going to get MVP discussion. That's that's but he's going to be in the MVP talk because Cleveland will win ten or eleven games. So that's a bold prediction on my part. Um, trying to think what else is bold. I mean, it's it's not bold that Oakland's going to miss the playoffs and you know in their last season in Oakland. I don't think that's a bold take at all. I don't think they're going to really. be there. Um. You know, I'm so curious to see what happens in Dallas. I said it earlier. I do think – I think it will be bold if they sign all three guys. I think it's going to happen. But I think that's pretty bold considering where they've got a lot of the rest of that roster to be able to position themselves for the future. That, that's really interesting to me. That's I'm so fascinated to watch what happens in Dallas. All right, well, my bold – my bold prediction, at least for year one, is that at least for year one, Josh Rosen's going to do really well in Miami, and people are going to say, yeah, the Cardinals screwed up. They should have kept Josh Rosen. Because you know how it is when, guy, when guys – remember when Jared Goff was a rookie under uh, Jeff Fisher, and he played three games, and everybody immediately said, yeah, this kid's a scrub. Dude can't play. And then he yeah. gets – and then Sean McVay happened, and oh, Jared Goff, this guy. I think for at least year one – Josh Rosen's going to do well in Miami, and Kyler Murray's going to struggle, and everyone's going to say, see, see, the Cardinals are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. They should have kept that guy uh, kind of in the same way that in 2016 everybody said that Jared Goff was a bum because he didn't play right away in Jeff Fisher. Uh, another one would be uh, – I don't know how bold this is, and from a statistical standpoint, it's virtually impossible, but – Patrick Mahomes does better in 2019 than he did in 2018. Oh, interesting. Because see, I, I think that he's going to be. I think I think he's going to be worse from a numbers perspective. But I still think Kansas City is going to be one of the top teams in the AFC. He threw 50 touchdowns, and they needed all 50 of those touchdowns. If you looked at that defense, because their offensive game plan was, "Hey, Patrick, go score 40, and we'll figure it. We'll figure it out." Yeah, I don't think he's going to throw 50 again, but I do think they're going to be pretty good. At least from a statistical standpoint, like you kind of have to, like it kind of has to be all downhill from here from 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. That's like, that's Madden level stuff if you just put the computer on rookie. Uh, probably, okay, I think more of the, I don't really believe it, but I just want to say it for the sake of argument. Um, the LA Rams don't go to the playoffs. Ooh, that's bold. I do have, I do have, I do have one bold one as well. Kyler Murray will throw for four thousand yards this year. Well, he kind of has to because he's pretty much the whole offense. 
He might, but he, the the weapons are not there for that to happen. So, but I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and claim that one here in the preseason. All right, uh, we're gonna move on to our final topic of the day, which is unpopular opinions slash uh, NFL hills you you will die on. And here is mine that we talked about in the beginning. And sorry, not sorry, uh, Cody Clark, but when he becomes eligible, Devin Hester should be a Hall of Famer. Ooh. He's the best special teams player ever. He changed games. I mean, yeah, you can say that, yeah, he's just a punt returner, but he's a three-time All-Pro, had 14 punt return touchdowns, five kick return touchdowns. He was, for a period from about 2007 till about 2013, he was the most dangerous guy in the league. Most return guys are like Dante Hall. They last like a year and a half and they peter out. But this guy, even in his 30s, when he was 32, 33 years old, was running kicks back to the house. Most dangerous special teams player ever. Devin Hester should be a Hall of Famer when he becomes eligible. There, All I right. said it. Sorry, not sorry. No, that's a good one. I, I, guess, I guess the hill that I... I guess the hill that I climb, I don't know. I just, I, I, every time we, for the, the most valuable player award, I would like it to be called the most out or, or something where if it's going to be a statistic, it should be a statistic, it should be a value award, but it's turned into a statistic award. And so that's okay. That, I mean, that's fine. That's how it works. So let's then call it something else. Because the most valuable player in the NFL for for a long time was Peyton Manning. The most valuable player, you could argue, is Tom Brady. But even then, you took Tom Brady away the one year he got hurt, and Matt Castle went 11-5. and five. I don't think the most valuable player – I do think Patrick Mahomes last year winning it you know, in, is, is very good because if you took him off that team, I don't know how many other quarterbacks – although the quality of weapons he had was good, I don't know how many other – guys from a talent perspective would have been able to to lead that team but I mean like Matt Ryan in 2016 we've seen Cam Newton in 2015 these are you know and in the same thing happens in the NBA and I get hung up on it is it becomes about a story and it becomes about which is good that's you know from it should be based on some of those things but it should be the guy you know it should be the guy that if and there's usually, you know, a handful of them, but you take this guy off of this team and they're terrible. For a long time, it was Peyton Manning for the Colts, who I root for, because if you took him off the team, you saw what happened. They went, they won, they went one, two games and were awful. So I just, I just, I don't think we necessarily place enough value part on the MVP award. Because kind of how we do it is we look up, like, who's the best team? Here's the quarterback. Okay, cool. He's MVP. Like that, right, that, exactly. That's generally how we do it. But Patrick Mahomes was the most valuable player last year. He threw 50 touchdowns, and that team needed all 50 of those touchdowns if you looked at that defense. Yes. Last year, last year, 100% got it right, I think, because that's – you're right. He needed, he needed to throw every single one of those for them to be able to contend. All right. Uh, parting, parting shots. Um Another semi-unpopular opinion, Drew Brees should have been MVP last year. He was, well, you could make the argument that he should have been because of all the records that he broke, but 
Is he gonna is he gonna be MVP? Like if he has what he did last year, he breaks all the passing records. I I don't know. I mean, I, there's been years before where I thought that Breeze could be the MVP and he didn't win it. I think he's gonna have all of those records. Uh, he's he's phenomenal down there in New Orleans. I think Michael Thomas is gonna end his holdout. He's gonna sign, and they're going to be right back to chugging in the NFC South, and they're gonna be uh, a team to contend with with uh, going to the Super Bowl. So I'm a, a big Drew Brees fan. I think that's going to, you know, the Saints are going to be really, really good again, and that's going to be a team that could get to the Super Bowl. I think the Patriots are going going back and winning it again. That's my that's my shot. That's my, my prediction for the year. Patriots go back-to-back. So how long do you think I'm going to be on my Devin Hester should be a Hall of Famer hill? Probably forever, right? Probably a long time. It's a, it's a good one. That's a good one to fight, and I definitely agree with you. But you'll probably be – Probably be on that one for a while. On August 1st, the Hall of Fame game starts between the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos. Uh, it's it's an exciting time. Football is back. We're just going to pretend the whole AAF thing never happened. It's like <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the fire fest of pro football. Um, Cody, uh, any, any thoughts uh, that you want to give before we let you go here? Uh, when we're just a couple months away from football. No, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And like I said, Patriots, I don't like it, but I think they're going to go back to back and really looking forward to college football starting, really looking forward to the national football league starting. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. September 8th is week one of the NFL season. We are about five and a half, six weeks away training camps are in full swing uh, if you have hbo hard knocks should be the most entertaining thing you're you're going to see all year from the raiders because the on-field quality is probably not <laughs> there. Uh, and also while we still have uh the last time we talked uh you had accepted a position in west palm beach florida have you officially moved into florida yet and if you have how is it yes I- i've started that position i've been going at it a couple of weeks it's good uh, it's been going really, really well. Getting used to the overnight shift, but it's going great and uh, learning a lot. And it, it's been a very fun experience so far. Appreciate it. Well, that will wrap up our NFL season preview episode with Cody Clark, who is who will forever be known as the first repeat guest in Evanation Show history. We should probably make you like a championship belt, and then you just mail it to you, and you can just wear it around the office or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's uh, make make me a T-shirt or something. That'll uh, that'll be fine. I'd I'd gladly accept that. Yeah, I came on the show and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. You know, just just, <laughs> just go all in, just go all in like that restaurant when you eat that two pound burger. Uh, thank you for your time, Cody, and I'm really excited for how the NFL season is going to go. We should make this a recurring thing uh, during the season where you just kind of drop in every once in a while, and just kind of give your thoughts. Indeed. Well, I'll uh, I'll parachute in and we'll. Uh... We'll do some pods during the year. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it, buddy. Yep, you're welcome. Uh, for Cody Clark, I'm Evan Eichen saying so long, and I'll see you next time on The Evan Eichen Show.